You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to a, a disappointing episode, uh, all too familiar, a disappointing episode of the Assembly Call, as today your Indiana Hoosiers fall uh, to Penn State by the score of 61 uh, to 58 uh, to fall to 10 and 3 on the season, 1 and 2 in the Big Ten. I'm your host, uh, Brian Tonsoni, here with Chad Schwarzkopf and Andy Bottoms, and we'll break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. And Let's start this show the way we start every show, and that is with our, our banner moment. Uh, always a little difficult uh, to find banner moments uh, in in games like this, but uh, for me, the, there were a couple of segments where Indiana did show some fight in a, in a day where offense was really tough to come by, um, and we'll discuss all of that uh, down the line. They came out and, and took a lead early in the second half uh, and got up 36 to 33. Uh, and then they fell behind by 10, 51 to 41, and then they had a 9-0 run down the stretch. One of the things that I think, regardless of how we're feeling today, is that this team uh, does have a sense of, of trying to battle back. It, it didn't work out today. Uh, Indiana really never got going offensively uh, today and allowed um, Penn State to, to get comfortable and hit some big shots. Uh, trailed at the half by um, a score – uh, of 27 to 26, and, and then again, just had those mini runs, uh, and Penn State's runs were a little bit longer and a little bit better, and it ended up uh, in a loss where there were a, a couple missed three shots at the end. So a, a tough way to uh, get the new year started for uh, Indiana Hoosier fans, um, but nonetheless, we'll we'll discuss this um, along the way. So. Our banner moment today is always brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, now in their fifth season sponsoring the Assembly Call and their first of, as a presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. As you think about what to do with any Christmas money or gift cards you receive this year, you should definitely consider checking out homefieldapparel.com. Homefield has the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you'll find anywhere with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison. And if you support other college teams or you have people in your life who do, Homefield probably has something for them too. Their product line now extends to more than 120 different schools with unique vintage logos for all of them. And no matter what you buy, you know it'll be comfortable with the colors and the colors will last through many washings. Plus you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through Kelly. What could be better than that? So go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME for 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. Okay, now it's time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Andy Bottoms is with us today. What's your bottoms line on this 61-58 defeat uh, to Penn State? Uh, just just thought <clears> – <throat> pardon my voice, sorry, everybody um, – but – you know, I think that the first half, IU really played into Penn State's hands from a tempo perspective, really let them grind it out. IU struggled to to really run any anything uh, on offense that, that had enough movement to really generate good shots. So if the ball didn't go inside to TJD, there really wasn't a lot happening on offense in the first half. Then, you know, second half came out with some fight. Um, and, and 
and seemed like they were going to turn things around. But I go back to it's 36-33. I use ahead with the ball. I think coming out of a timeout, um, Xavier Johnson drives, turns the ball over. Penn State goes down and hits a three, starts a series of seven possessions where Penn State scored 18 points in seven possessions. Scored every single time, got whatever shot they wanted in that stretch. That was followed by a Parker Stewart drive where he turned the ball over. And just like within that split second, all the demons of this team's road woes seemed to just crash down on him, and and they never really – I mean, they fought back and recovered, really had chances. Trace missed a a couple shots in close that would have tied the game, but – um, really, that was a stretch where the game was lost in, in my eyes. I mean, they had, you know, kept it close in the first half despite playing really poorly. But um, ultimately, they had a, you know, supposed to hang their head on defense, had a really bad sequence defensively there. Uh, and then offensively, it just was been kind of a mess uh, outside of TJD. Uh, just not a lot going on. I know we texted about that quite a bit during the game. Um, but, you know, you you got to be able to to score more than – at least the way I had it, IU is at 0.97 points per possession. I mean, against what's expected to be one of the worst teams in the league on the road, you got to be able to put up more points than that offensively. I think the defense, even though it was bad in that stretch, was probably good enough to win the game. But uh, offense, there's a lot of work to do. And then Bench comes in, plays plays poorly in the first half, and then Woodson basically refuses to use him in the second half. Uh, and you got guys who are completely gassed by the time the end of the game. I mean, Finnessy's the only guy off the bench. Only played two guys off the bench the whole second half. Only one that played more than a minute and a half was Finnessy. Geronimo got in there, took that three, and got yanked, and then it was done. It just got to be a uh, lot to talk about. I know I covered a lot of ground, but maybe laid the seeds for some things we need to talk about on the show. But the rotation and the playing time is uh, is, is not working uh, in a game like this, and it came back to bite him at the end. Also joining us uh, is Chad Schwartzkopf, uh host of the Hoosier Minute After Um also known as Chat Mob, uh, Chad. Uh, Chad, thanks for joining us uh, this afternoon. Um, your thoughts on on this uh, tough defeat for the Indiana Hoosiers? Well, usually uh, on Hoosier Morning After, I'm allowed I, I'm allowed to let my emotions have settled and everything like that. But it's nice to be in a post game show where I can let my emotions fly on this one. Uh, and it's and it's going to be a lot of pleading. Can we please, please just stop jumping in the lane with nowhere to go as guards? And, and nowhere to pass the ball and not know where to go. Can we also please stop standing around on the offensive end and just waiting for Trace Jackson Davis to do something and not helping him by moving? Uh, and can we please stop shooting the ball early in the shot clock from three if your name is not Cop, Leal, or Stewart? Can we look for the better shot, not just a decent shot if that is open. Let's work the ball. Let's try to do some better things. Again, at least at least thinking the positive emotion side was that there were there were many times, like you said, that it looked like the game could have been done or uh, a few guys posted on Twitter that uh, past teams would have folded by now and you would have seen Penn State up by, by more than 10. Um, we at least fought back in some of that and everything. Um, and despite Penn State hitting it uh, just – out of the court the way they normally don't hit it. They're normally about a 34%. They average that going into this game from three and they come in today and shoot uh, near 50. Um, I haven't looked at it recently. You guys can correct me on that, but um, despite all that being that close, at least maybe that's a positive to look at, but just again, a frustrating game. So many opportunities where they could have gotten ahead, like Andy said, and uh, it just broke the other way. Guys fell apart. Defense looks so lost guys over helping, 
Um, just a lot of things that need to get corrected by it. And um, let's just, uh, yeah, that's another plea. Let me add that to the final please while I finish this one. Please let's stop overhelping. Come on, guys. Drop the mic. Show's over. You got everything, all, all the issues there, and we got some time to talk about it. Yeah, uh, you know, overall, I, I, I thought this was one of the, the weakest defensive efforts, and you still hold Penn State to 61. So when you stop and, and relax a little bit, if you do want to find something positive, uh, Indiana on a day where the offense was really, really bad, uh, their defense kept them in a game and gave them a shot to win late. And that's that's what you got to hope as a program is – uh, sometimes your offense isn't there. Unfortunately, I think sometimes has become a lot of the times for Indiana basketball right now. Um, but um, the the defense struggled in, in overhelping. I, I think that's great. But I, I want to go to two storylines and throw it back to you guys. Uh, we'll we'll start with yours, Andy. The the substitution patterns I think is one storyline that we need to talk about too. And then just the overall offense. Uh, which goes to sh- uh, Chad's shot selection um, uh, of early threes, and 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 we can add no ball movement and stuff. So the two storylines that we're going to talk about here in, in segment one, uh, let's first talk about uh, the the substitution pattern, uh, Andy. Since you brought that up, I- I'm going to throw it to you. Uh, it it just seems that um, there has to be a better way to to utilize the bench, even if you want to play ten uh, rather than all five in the first half and then no one in the second half. Uh, I think um, I, I think that's something that needs to be addressed for the Indiana Hoosiers. Your thoughts on the substitution pattern? Yeah, I was I was curious at least at the beginning um, or in the first half rather to to see whether there was anything different because Kopman and Race I believe are the two who uh, who stayed out the longest. But once you got past that, um, you know, you end up with those five guys and the bench guys just didn't play well. Um, in the first half at all. Geronimo made some hustle plays, but really outside of that, I thought Scoop was a little erratic trying to do too much, and maybe that stems from not having him on the floor with other guys who can really um, you know, kind of help him out a little bit. I didn't think Rob played all that well in the first half, although he uh, picked it up, made some big plays in the second half uh, in, in stretches. But, yeah, it's just these guys are kind of – it feels like they're just getting hung out to dry. Um, and And if your starters – can't move the ball very well and it what what it just I just struggle to think like there's no offensive flow when the starters are in the game so I'm not sure how playing five guys off the bench is going to improve that so I, there has to be some change to that and then you know as I mentioned before then to just not use the bench at all in the second half to be able to kind of sprinkle these guys in to get a few minutes rest I mean he subbed you know trace out for about a minute right around the under eight timeout just before that you know got raced back in but um you know I just don't I'm not arguing that that Scoop or Leo played well in the first half, but at some point, those guys have worked their way into the rotation. I'm not sure how all of a sudden it's just you you can't play in the second half of this game. And then there was a you know the one stretch where Penn State got about six shots on one possession. Everybody's just dead tired, and I'm sitting there screaming at him to get a rebound, probably without thinking that these guys have been on the floor for the past you know who knows how many minutes without a sub. So I, I just. I, you know, the more games it goes without that changing, I struggle to believe that that actually is going to change, but it sure feels like it needs to. Um, that that second unit just doesn't have a great flow with one another, but I think there's pieces there that can be successful if you're mixing them in with some of the some of the starters. Chad, uh, in, any thoughts on the substitution pattern? Yeah, I agree. And I think in the first half, he used it pretty well, uh, trying to pepper different guys in and trying to get things started and going. Um, 
it was back-to-back turnovers, uh, just kind of like how I said, with Rob getting caught in the air and then Scoop when he was in there, caught in the air as well. Uh, I think those were even maybe almost the first two turnovers or close to it, the first couple turnovers for IU. That was around the eight-minute mark. And uh, Jordan Geronimo goes in and a great inbound play to him, and he hits that mid-range, mid-range jumper. And uh, then a few plays later, he hits another mid-range shot. They leave him open, and, and he hits those down. And that's in his that's in his game plan. And um, it's weird because at that point, uh, him and Race were really kind of the biggest bright spots. It's kind of a bummer that they were really the two players that play in that same position. So it would be hard to put them in at the same time because you don't want to take Trace out in that situation. Uh, but I, I did like seeing what what Jordan gave to the team. He only ended up with nine minutes in the whole entire game, though. And it was kind of a, a shock to see him not really play uh, much in the rest. And, and yeah, I, I agree with Andy and, and what's already kind of been stated and, and said and what many of you are, have probably seen and thought as well. It's just the, the lack of use of that bench or at least trying things in the second half was was slightly puzzling. Um, I did like seeing Rob and X in there at the same time because I think that in the second half, Rob was very instrumental in uh, giving a lot of the plays that kept us in the game. Uh, in the second half, he was able to get to the rim like we know he can with aggression and everything and uh, had some decent shot selection for himself. Um, but uh, that just didn't fall. I think a lot of guys just sadly, the shots just didn't fall for them. Um, but uh, yeah, in the second half, it was a little confusing that a few other guys didn't get a play. We didn't at least try tomorrow in there and everything. Um, I know I saw a little bit of heat on t- on, on Twitter of people wanting to say, uh, why aren't two of our far, uh, five-star guards in there at the, at this point and everything like that? Well, I again, I'm not going to pretend to be the coaches and everything and stay. Just because they have five stars doesn't mean they need to be in there in crunch time in, in a game like this. Maybe they need to be tried, yes, uh, but uh, when you're searching for guard play and you're starting to at least get a little stability from those, those two guys, meaning X and Rob, um, I guess you got to stay with them at that point. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was substitutions were a little confusing. Uh, I agree in the second half, you know, it's been brought up a lot of you in, in the chat mob are, are saying some solid things too. What would, what would, uh, Bates and Geronimo do, uh, sprinkled in with some of the other, other players that that's something that I would really, uh, like to see. And I think those of you in, in the chat mob, you're making really, uh, excellent comments there that, you know, if you judge if guys are going to play in the second half by how they do in the first half and you have five substitutes in, there, there's a chance they play well, but there's also a chance that, you know, you struggle. Trace Jackson Davis has to be double teamed. Well, then maybe that opens up some, some shooting. I also think uh, Jordan can help uh, rebound, which was a struggle today. Hair, horror, whatever you said, uh, hurt us on the boards. Uh, today. Uh, I think athletically he can guard a little bit, although he was part of Chad's overhelping uh, problem early in the first half. I thought he overhelped um, uh, quite a bit, but I, I think especially those two, and, and, and then um, I, I just think it's important to get some guys. Tamar can do some things that other players can't. Uh, we need downhill guys besides the point guards uh, to be able to to drive and, and cut off screens. So I think yeah, I, thought, I think that's got to be evaluated. Go ahead. Yeah, to, to go back to, to Scoop, I mean, I, I don't know what he would look like and, you know, without some of these other guys, but he basically comes in the game. I texted you guys, you guys this. I mean, four of the first five possessions are in the game. He either takes a shot or turns the ball over. Like he wouldn't. I think to a certain extent, part of that's on him. I, I, 
You know, I'm not giving right. him a pass for saying, hey, you're playing with four other guys. You got to go out and, you know, do what you want to do and kind of be aggressive to a fault. But there's also an element of I don't know that he would be doing those things if he was on the floor with with some of the other guys. And I think Geronimo, he's going to do the same stuff no matter who he's out there with. He's just making mm-hmm. like effort plays and trying to get to the right spot. Like he's not going to be any, you know, I, he might be able to get more openings for offensive rebounds and things like that with some of the other guys. Um, out there but like he he kind of does what he does but I think scoop is the one I'd be really interested to see because it, it just feels like when he goes in he's supposed to lead that second unit um, or at least he plays as if he's supposed to lead that second unit and I don't know that that really is helpful from a development perspective for him yeah that that that's the one I'm concerned Mo- most programs play seven to eight guys uh, major minutes but uh, Indiana had uh, Durr with five, Leo with five, Geronimo with nine, and and Bates with six. Uh, everyone else, uh, the six guys who played, had twenty four or more minutes. And I know um, at times we clamor for for shortening the bench, but th- we went from playing ten guys to you know I, I think overplaying um, playing six in the second half. Pl- playing six in the second half, and, and you know it's just an interesting it, it's an interesting dilemma that's going to have to be fixed in order for. IU to find its groove. And you wonder if that's something to do. Uh, you know, the, the subs have some offensive ability, but they may need to play with the starting point guard and the starting center in order to be that fourth or fifth option and then take advantage when they come in and maybe they're the number one guy now to stop uh, coming off the bench. That, that's um, that's got to be an issue that's addressed. So let's go to the other storyline that I think is very important. And it, it's the lack of offense. Uh, everyone clamored the last four years that the offense wasn't very good, uh, and the hiring of Coach Woodson, everyone praised it because of the four out, one in. Uh, fellas, we don't have an offense, um, and, and I, I hate to say that, but scoring 59 points at Penn State is not good offense. Uh, some of it is shot selection. Some of it is jumping in the, in the lane uh, turnover. Some of it is first side passing, first side shooting. Um, you know, everyone I, – I, I, I've – gotten into disagreements with some of you good fans about the confidence thing. Confidence is great, but doing playing basketball the right way is just as important as having confidence. If you have confidence and go take a crappy shot, uh, that's a turnover. Um, and, and quick threes are turnovers just as much as jumping in the air as Rob did, as X did, as, as a lot of players do. Um, you know, confidence is great, but at some point this is, this is now, you know, what game 13, 14, um, and we, we keep hearing that the offense is behind the defense. But my question then is, when is the offense going to catch up um, to some point that'll win you some basketball games? Because it's just been dangerously bad. In the Notre Dame game, it was scary bad. Uh, at times in the Northern Kentucky game, it, it wasn't a very good. Turnovers have been a problem. Um, the program's been running. I know it takes a while, you know, to, to get stuff in, but there was no creativity offensively and in, in sets in cuts, uh, in a variety of things, uh, today, it was just go play. Uh, it looked like go play with the concepts. It's more of a concept than an offense. So I kind of riffed there while asking a question, I'll, I'll shut up and let you guys do talking, but Chad, we'll throw it to you too. What, what, what's going on with the offense? Because 61 points is enough to win holding Penn state or any big 10 team to 61. Um, what we did at Wisconsin was enough points to win. It's time our offense getting gear. Yeah, exactly. It just, it, it seemed it's a little too free in, in this game. Uh, coach wanted to state, uh, going into the season, obviously that it's a player run type of offense and everything. And well, you got to know when to take that from the players. 
and and call the plays and run it because they weren't running it and they weren't playing it. Um, too many guys standing around, too much of Xavier just kind of dribbling around, waiting, see if he can get the entry pass to Trace Jackson Davis. If he can't, he'll dribble to the other other elbow and and try to uh, uh, get a screen from him and dump it off to him. But it's just there were many times in the game, uh, one of the biggest moments, and and I, I hate if I uh, steal this from meaningful moments, but uh, when when IU was up thirty six to thirty three, and you're, you're coming out of a timeout, media timeout in the second half, and uh, it's just, you do nothing with it. Uh, the inbound play leads to nothing, um, but again, another uh, Xavier Johnson driving with nowhere to go, and uh, he loses the ball in the air, and Penn State go, runs down and hits a three-pointer. And I think they hit three-pointer uh, three the next two trips as well. So there was just a lack of play calling with, within the game uh, overall, just the movement and everything. And we know we've seen it. We've seen it in plenty of other games, some uh, great screen downs, some great uh, movement from the wings crossing over, but uh, it was just dead. It was like uh, Christmas break. We had too much eggnog or something, and it just got deleted from our brains because the guys just uh, were playing hyperball out there. Andy, thoughts about uh, the offense? Yeah, just, I mean... The, the lack of movement when they would dump it into TJD to really generate stuff off of what he was doing. They talked in the first half about they had worked the shooter on and really trying to like whip the ball out to the outside, which you saw in a couple times, but, but not a lot because nobody's really moving to get open. Um, and then, you know, cop and, and Stewart uh, were a combined. Let's see. Cop was two for five from the floor. One for two uh, from three. Stewart was one for four. Um, and 0 for 2 from 3. I mean, those are guys that at, at least two of the three makes between them were off the dribble, which is not where those guys have excelled. Um, but those are guys who are shooting it well enough. Like, I, it just just kind of baffles me that you're not running at least some things to get catch-and-shoot opportunities for those guys. And maybe somebody will go back and look at the tape and show me where they did try to do that and somebody ran to the wrong place. And, you know, I'd be curious for, you know, Tony to maybe break that down in the in the film room. But it just seems like you're not doing enough to make – to really have legitimate options to have people prepare for. I mean, not everybody can really body up TJD, but Hera, while I would argue not overly skilled, took advantage of the things that he had um, uh, over TJD. He was super physical with him in the post and banged him and tried to make him finish through him. And then he took advantage of when TJD would go over to try to block shots on the weak side and got probably four, six points just on putbacks of stuff like that. I mean, he did, you know, what, what he needed to do to take advantage of that. But it, it feels a lot like it's dumping it into trace or X trying to do something off the dribble. And, you know, I know Xavier is kind of a lightning rod for, uh, for people. So I'm sure bringing his name up will invoke who knows what in the chat, but you know, for, for, for me, he has a, he has a sense of when IU really needs a basket. Uh, what he doesn't have all the time is a great sense of how to get it for him. Um, there was a couple of times when there was really key possessions that he just forced shots because he's trying to make a play, not ill intentioned, but his just, you know, discretion is the better part of valor is probably what, what, uh, you know, what comes to mind there. Just some of the times being able to run something, actually get good shots. So your understanding of the moment is fine, but the understanding of what a good shot is in that moment, when you really need a bucket is where I thought he, um, struggled at times in the second half and kind of contributed to the Penn State run instead of stopping it. But but again, you're not running. You just didn't seem like they were running anything. So then I think everything breaks down into these one-on-one -on -one things. And as much as I hate to do it, 
I'll give Ryan a little bit of credit in our text chain here. Um, but he said something at one point. I gotta, I gotta find it. It was actually, it was quite, it was quite prophetic. Um, he basically said the problem is the offense only really generates one-on-one opportunities in the NBA. Everyone can take guys one-on-one. That doesn't work in college. So uh, I, I I'm just sign off now that I've given Ryan credit for yeah. something that he's not <laughs> even on the show. So I'll see you guys later. The 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 lack of ball moving side to side. I, I mean, Penn State did a lot of one on one stuff too, but it was after the ball moved two or three times, and then they got an advantage or got a mismatch, and then they drove in and they they would pivot and then find the open man and force a closeout, and then hit, hit the next man that one more passing that we've kind of been talking about. Um, there was very little player movement at times. They ran a little cross screen. Um, or or an X action where the guards would crisscross underneath and screen down, but it wasn't very purposeful. Um, and it was just a, a lot of try to feed the ball and then stand and watch if the double team came, and they were just hoping that they could kick out and hit shots. Um, and, and, you know, offense is about shot making. You know, Indiana did not shoot the ball very well. Uh, you know, Indiana was eight of, uh, eight of 18 on layups. Um, and, you know, Trace Jackson Davis missed three down the stretch. Uh, one was point blank with no one out, and a couple others were contested. Rob missed one at the rim. Um, there were several of those. And then, again, wide open threes. Um, they hit uh, some contested threes in the first half, and then a crazy shot there to go up four uh, when the shot clock was running down. So, you know, uh, the bigger picture for me is is, yeah, you can make excuses and all that, but the offense is just – it's just not moving. Uh, there's no creativity. There's no cutting. There's no ball reversals. Uh, there, there's no screening. Um, and, and it is just uh, NBA isolation stuff. And we don't have that personnel. Um, we This is the several games in a row, guys, too, where Cop uh, is shooting 37% from three. He gets two threes. Um, uh, Stewart gets uh, two threes. I know he missed two. And probably defenses, if I go back and watch the tape, I guarantee you they're like not leaving those guys. And then they'll double off of race, and then they'll drop down on uh, the point guard, will drop down to take away the post-to-post pass because they were post-to-post trapping early. And then they didn't go trap. They did a dig down second. They threw a lot of different ways uh, at our offense, which did get us confused, but that's where the coach needs to step up and say, okay, now here's what we're going to do. Um, and, and I'm a coach guy and I, I'm usually not hard on the coach. I'm more, more uh, critical of the players, but today this, this was a lack of offensive creativity um, and, and adjustments. The only positive was after timeouts when Penn State went to 2-3 zone. I thought our guys executed on the fly when they were surprised by the 2-3 zone all but one one time. Uh, Geronimo got that little uh, shot in the corner. I thought we hit a three coming out. Um, but, yeah, this, it also – again, I, I I really don't like to criticize coaches, but Shrewsbury was on point today with, with, with how he designed his drives, and he attacked our poor defenders early, uh, trying to get them off the drive. Uh, he, he really attacked Miller Cop. Uh, defensively. So, um, you know, you spend years with uh, a certain coach in Boston and another one at Purdue who understand, you know, a a lot about offense in a lot of different ways, both professional and college. uh, And it was enough to get them 61 points. So uh, I don't think they did anything outstanding, but I really am disappointed with where the offense is. And I, and, and, you know, the, the, it just needs to be better, uh, whether that's player decisions, player movement, coaching decisions, practice, 
there, there's just, uh, there's just very little excuse for scoring 59 points and, and, and the level of offense. I go back to the Notre Dame game. The offense wasn't very good uh, as well. And the halves at Wisconsin and, and, and that it, it's just now who we are and, and it better get fixed. Um, so it, yeah, anything, that's where anything else? the pace, that's where the pace of the first half really accentuated those offensive issues. I mean, Penn state just wanted to grind it out and basically force IU to execute something on the offensive end. And all it did was just accentuate the problems that, that, that you just talked about where everything just kind of breaks down in the first open shot that somebody got, they were going to take, um, you know, and IU really made a, a run there. It was when they started to get out and transition a little bit and they, you know, turned the ball over a lot. And then Penn state, you know, started scoring every time and you're taking the basket out of the net instead of um, getting the ball out in transition and, and really struggled there. I mean, I, I would be, I would be curious to understand the, the you know, kind of the non-transition possessions that the point per possession had to be horrific in those because it wasn't very good for the game overall um but i think that you know you give a lot of credit to shrewsbury on that for you know executing that i thought there were times at penn state early in the second half kind of played a little bit more frenetic and then he took a timeout they settled down and that was when they went on that huge run to uh to kind of take control of the game well there, there's something too to go back and look at where our where our pace and our transition play um, I, I wonder if that was the result of the turnovers early, the, you know, against Louisiana, the 27 turnovers, they, they tried to slow down the pace a little bit. I still think that's a strength of this team, um, is, is to get out and go even on, on makes, but, um, we'll, um, we'll continue here, um, coming up on our, um, breakdown of Indiana's loss to Penn state to 61 58. Uh, we'll point out some meaningful moments you might've missed and then go inside the numbers to highlight the most important stats. Uh, from the game. You're listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hi, this is AJ Moye. What's the only thing better than upsetting Duke in the Sweet 16? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach for the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers! You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm the coach Brian Tonsoni here with Chad Schwartzkopf and Andy Bottoms. We're breaking down Indiana's loss uh, to to Penn State today, and it's time uh, for today's uh, meaningful moment that you might have missed. So um, I'm just going to go quickly um, a, a couple things. One, um, 
I, I mentioned it there at the end of the last segment. I, I thought um, uh, the zone the zone defense, a lot of coaches do that. A lot of high school coaches do it. That'll change up after timeouts. I, I really didn't think that that mattered uh, an awful lot. Uh, but again, I think that uh, just showed that Shrewsbury was, was trying to do whatever he can um, to, um, to, to win the game. Let's talk ball screen coverage. Andy, you, you mentioned it in, in the text early. Indiana played like three different types of ball screen coverages, and I'm not sure too many of them worked. Um, the one that was given trouble when you were, when, when you were texting was uh, they were in drop coverage and tagging from the strong side. And that's where Chad, your overhelping came in. The players would overcommit, um, when, when the point guard got hung up. Uh, and then the kick out three was there on the, on the strong side. Then later, uh, they, they didn't go to drop, but they were still going over the screen and staying with the shooters. But then the guards got in deep. And the third one was they started hedging hard and trapping. Um, and, and then they did what's called a short roll and hit the guy Hera at the free throw line. And he kicked out for a three. So in the end, I think ball screen coverage was uh, 0 for 3. Some of that credit goes to Penn State for executing against it because everyone runs that stuff. But um, our inability to stop the ball, whether it's ball screen coverage or some of our wings that struggle, we give up a lot of penetration, and that's when you're going to see some teams get comfortable and then hit 50% from three. Andy, thoughts on uh, overall ball defense, ball dribble defense, ball screen defense today by the Hoosiers? Uh, yeah, I mean – you you nailed it. There was uh, the 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 list of coverages that worked well is a short one, um, you know. And, and I think changing those in some cases got them seemed to get them confused. I mean, there was one where they set that middle ball screen at the top of the key, and the guy basically gets to the basket with nobody going there. Uh, nobody gets there at all. You give up an easy layup there. Um, but I but I think your point about just in general being able to contain dribblers continues to be a problem because that leads to the overhelping. But at the same time, you got to know your personnel. I mean, Miles Dredd's taken five two-point shots. He's four of five from three, and I don't think he was well defended on any of them. At, at some point, you got to make somebody else. You, you know, again, it's a it's a know who you're guarding. You can't help off him because you're not going to be able to um, to recover. And they did some good things with him, where they, you know he he set that screen at the at the top at times and kind of rolled to the side, but or, or popped to the to the wing. But man, they just. You know, to me, it was it was kind of not understanding personnel. Um, you know, the overhelping from some of the same guys, and then you know, you got to you know, we say that about wanting to run plays from Miller Cop. I thought your point was was a good one. They really went at him early in the game. Penn State's smaller anyway, so that's why you saw a lot of Rob and Xavier playing together, which probably gives you better defense in the backcourt. Doesn't give you a, a whole lot of size, um, and and you take one of your better shooters off the court. Um, I just thought. You know, Parker Stewart battles defensively, but he struggles to keep guys in front of him. Um, and, you know, I think that's where you got to figure out who who can play some of those minutes. Again, it's a bench guys. Scoop has struggled defensively as well. Lander has struggled defensively. But you're going to have to rotate some other guys in because the more tired these guys get, then it just exaggerates the flaws that they already have in terms of being able to guard people defensively. So, um, And then the trapping, I, I just struggled with that at the time in the game. I think it was when they had gotten it to – uh, I think they one of the possessions, you know, Trace gets a foul out there where he's just overly aggressive. They had the guy right where he wanted him, and overly aggressive gets a foul. But the other one, it's a one point game at that point. I think it was after Xavier made one or two from the free throw line. To me, at that point, go do something else because you're just setting yourself up to do that. I mean, Hera, you really don't even need to guard outside of six feet, but he gets the ball kind of 
just above the free throw line, somebody runs at him and you leave the guy who only shoots three pointers to, you know, drill one and make it a four point game. So uh, I just, the timing of that, I understand trying different stuff, but at that point in the game, didn't make a ton of sense to me either. Uh, Chad, I'm going to come to you at the, um, another moment. You kind of, you've kind of hinted upon early where it was um, quick shots and, and the first shot of the, of the game. Uh, and, and I don't really want to pick on race because race has done so many good things, but race takes a, a, a one pass three at the top without, you know, moving the ball. Uh, and I don't know that that made a difference in the ball game, but there was a time in the second half where race takes another quick three. It, it was, I have it at 36, 33 on my notes. I, I don't know if I don't have the play by play up right away, but there's a quick three, uh, taken and there's an opportunity to extend the lead. And I just have those two written down by race, but I imagine we can go back and find um, four or five shots that were somewhat quick in the shot clock. I, I remember the announcer even saying that's not, I mean, four or five times in the second half, that's not really kind of the shot you want when you're trying to, to come from behind. Um, you know, uh, expound on that. You, you mentioned that in, in your opening um, about quick shots. Well, I think it's a mixture of it's it's the quick shot, but um, sometimes quick shots can be okay. Uh, it's when the quick shot comes before you've tried anything else, uh, uh, before you've allowed your star player Trace Jackson Davis to touch the ball and try something with it. Um, that's when the quick shots hurt you the most. When you haven't tried the best thing that your team can do offensively, when you haven't tried that in the possession yet, and you're just taking a shot. That's that's when quick shots hurt you the most. Um, a, a shot can come quickly after you've tried something and it hasn't worked and a guy's wide open and everything. But what makes a quick shot the worst is it means you didn't try anything in that possession. And, and sometimes it leads to, to run outs, um, you know, a, a bad three, a quick three, and you don't have good balance in, in transition defense. And, and now it becomes a missed opportunity on offense. Uh, Andy, any moments that uh, you, you want to share that you thought were meaningful in today's loss? Well, I get to, I want to go back to that sequence that you talked about. I think it was 34 to 33. Okay. Um, when he did that, but almost, you know, three of the four possessions prior, um, I had gotten the ball into trace and something, well, actually they'd gotten into him on all four could be kicked out to, Xavier Johnson for a three on the other one. But you take a quick three there. The next one, Parker Stewart made that jumper off the dribble that I thought was not a good shot at all, and it goes in. But you, it starts a sequence of of possessions where, you know, Trace doesn't use, I don't know, six or seven straight possessions. He's not the guy to get the ball. And that was the same six or seven possessions where Penn State scored every single time. Um, and it really just, you know, it seemed like the game plan early was come out, pound the ball in the TJD to start the second half. And that was kind of the start of a sequence where they didn't do that very well. Um, I will give credit to, I think this was race during, during that other stretch though. You know, TJD gets fouled, misses the second free throw race is the one who gets the rebound. Trace gets fouled and has an and one opportunity, missed the free throw on that as well. I mean, that's, um, I guess you couldn't have made both free throws and still, still got that, but you missed two free throws in one possession and you still end up with three points. Um, you know, but I thought that was a great hustle play from race. But I just, you know, those were the things that he did well. Got some putbacks. He didn't make the one three, um, but it just, you know, not really in the flow of, of anything offensively. So, um, you know, that was uh, that was one that I saw. Rob did have that um, sequence as well, where he hit the one. It was almost a three. His foot was on the line. Then had a nice driving layup after that. You know, a, a, another one of those sequences where it's like, where is this guy? 
uh, at other points during the um, during the course of the game. But that was a was, a was really hoping that replay would give us shots. one more point. That would have been helpful. Yeah. <laughs> well, you bring up some missed missed free throw opportunities. Uh, IU was eight to twelve from the free throw line. You're not going to be perfect every night, um, but those were key at key points. And then um, let, let's talk a little bit. Uh, uh, a little positivity today. I, I thought Rob, after having a real tough first half where he struggled and turned the ball over and hit the bottom of the backboard on a on a layup that he was off balance, thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be a struggle for him. Um, I thought he really was crucial in, in erasing that 10-point uh, uh, lead. He hit a, a three, had a driving layup. Uh, he ends up having uh, two assists to one turnover. Um not not super great, but I, I thought uh, his minutes in the second half, if there's something positive, maybe we can bottle that. Chad, your thoughts on Rob today, especially the second half? Yeah, second half. That's that's the Rob we want to see. He was aggressive. He found the lanes. He wasn't he wasn't fearful to go downhill when he needed to. Uh, Rob always has those moments where you see him like second guess himself. You see him almost start that stutter step like he's going to go to uh, into the lane and then he kind of pulls himself back. I don't know if that's Archie Miller still haunting in the back of his brain or whatever, uh, the ghost of Archie Miller. Um, but uh, yeah, it was great to see him open up and everything at the end. The only thing concerning that I saw there at the end is that last play, he was down on the ground. He was holding his ankle a little bit. I hope that's nothing. Um, that can be concerning because I know he's been battling some some lower leg stuff. But um, good, good to see his confidence. Again, uh, the, the few moments that we've had X and Rob in there together, um, they've been at times obviously where we need that their defense. And I think their defense had really helped to shear up some of that uh, shooting lux and uh, driving uh, force that Penn State was able to do. Sesum's uh, key, key among those who was really able to drive on a lot of guys previously. Um, so it was good to have them in there from that standpoint and Rob's defense stayed pretty strong. Um, and overall, uh, the defense in, in, in those regards was strong enough in the second half, obviously not to give, give away fouls and everything, but maybe that's a uh, negative to say, maybe we weren't aggressive enough to, and, and didn't give up any fouls, uh, on defense, but, um, good to see flashes of good Rob. Any anything else, uh, Chad? Meaningful moments uh, on on from you that that you'd like to discuss? I think that's about it. I mean, there's just there were so many little moments in there. Uh, just when you look at the play by play in the second half, where uh, it looked like the game was out of reach for Indiana, and then uh, Trace Jackson Davis had a great one with about 11 minutes or so. They were up by about eight, and he got the ball underneath, drove down, and. Um, uh, got to, made it and and made the and one to get it in close. Obviously, they jumped back again on us, but then uh, a, a few good plays by Rob Fennessy, uh, making a three pointer, uh, got us in at the at, at, at the second in the second half, very close. Uh, one minute, one minute to go. Where they were up by four. Uh, Dread hits that three, and then Rob goes on the other end and answers back with a three of his own. So that was that was a great moment to see us answer back. Uh, their barrage of threes with a with a three of our own, um, but yeah, yeah, it, it's again the, the banner moment. It, it's nice to see some fight uh, within the game, but it'd be a lot better to have the fight early and have a knockout punch early. Um, 
because you just can't keep digging yourselves holes. But now it's time to go inside the numbers. Uh, and this segment is sponsored by the Power Rank, where our friend Ed uses data and analytics to make accurate football and college basketball predictions. He also writes an incredible March Madness guide every year, uh, which will have a special offer for you once March rolls around. For now, if you want sports betting advice with the PhD Edge, or if you just like understanding sports at a more analytical level, you should subscribe to Ed's free newsletter. Go to thepowerrank.com backslash AC to subscribe. That's thepowerrank.com backslash AC. Okay, let's dissect the numbers. That'll tell the story uh, of this game. Um, I'm going to start out um, uh, with, I don't know if this tells the story of the game, but it goes along with the theme of struggling for offense. Indiana only turns the ball over six times. Uh, if you would have told me as I woke up on this Sunday morning that Indiana is going to turn the ball over six times, that that they'd get beat at Penn State, I, I would think they would have to turn it over 15 to 18 times to keep Penn State in it. Um, again, striving for some positives. Um, this this was along a, with, with a 13, 13 assists to go along with that, Coach. Yeah. So, you know, it was a shot making and an offensive structure problem today more than it was uh, – the, the turnovers for me um, trying to see the rebounding average or split was another uh, situation. 29, we were out rebounded 39 to 29. And, and supposedly coach Woodson uh, was upset with uh, some of his post players rebounding efforts in, in his post game uh, comments. But um, you know, I thought we struggled at Wisconsin against size I thought the zone size at Syracuse, hopefully that's something that can be figured out. But right now our, our bigs are, are not as efficient against other bigs. Uh, they were efficient against schools with smaller post players, but they're going to have to step it up. And I think uh, Coach Woodson called some people out, uh, whether that's good or bad uh, in the post game. They definitely need to rebound better. I thought the rebounding edge. So turnovers and rebounding uh, are the two things that, that kind of, you know, Stuck out for me, Andy. Any thoughts on those or any other numbers? Yeah, the turnovers were interesting. I mean, they, they kind of came, they did come in bunches. Um, I think bad three, times. Of the, three of the four in the first half were within a four possession stretch where you turned the ball over three times. And then the two in the second half were, you know, kind of killers when they were, um, as a second sequence I referred to earlier, you're up 36 33, turn the ball over twice in a row. And after the Penn State possessions, and you're down by three and you've, you know, turned it over twice. Uh, in a row there, you know, rebounding wise. Yeah. It, it sounds like Woodson, uh, I point the finger straight at trace five rebounds in 33 minutes. That's not good enough. He's got to rebound the basketball. That's his job. Um, you know, race had 10 rebounds. I, I did think, you know, this contributes a little bit to another stat I wanted to hit on, you know, trace is eight of 18 from the field. Um, did miss that three right at the buzzer. Um, and then had another, uh, kind of elbow jumper that he took, but otherwise, you know, he missed eight shots right around the rim. And we talked a little bit about, Hera being, you know, physical and really making some of those things difficult. You know, I think that was, you know, finishing for him still was a struggle um, today. It didn't mean that he didn't play well, but um, had some, had, you know, the one toward the end that would have tied it uh, was a really clean look. And I'm not sure if he just lost control of the ball or what happened, but he had had the guy beat, thought he was going to dunk it. And then he, you know, kind of flipped the layup off the, um, off the board. But um, so you know, I think those are, you know, we touched on the the free or the free throw shooting, eight of 12, missed all four that they missed in the second half. Three-point shooting was poor. Uh, I think you can attribute that pretty uh, pretty closely to some of the offensive movement issues you had where you're 23.5% of the game. And just overall, I mean, if you don't, if you only turn the ball over six times, it means you did a really poor job of shooting. 
because to your point, you're not giving possessions away that way. And you, know, you end up shooting under 40% for the game. Um, just as uh, it's pretty tough. And then Penn state hits 11 threes, which is a good uh, recipe for any team to, uh, to shoot it well. But you know, a lot of those, you know, there was the one where the guys, you know, shot clock guys falling to the side um, that was there, but I don't think a lot of them were just absolute prayers um, that were there. I think a lot of those came as a result of IU's um, challenges on help defense. And uh, too many of them were clean for guys that you, you want to take shots away from. Chad, any uh, numbers? I'm going to hold on to TJD talk for an additional storyline here after the numbers because I think there's some conversation that needs to be had about his ability to rebound and to score against bigs. But, Chad, any numbers that stand out for you? Yeah, just continuing what Andy's saying with their three-point shooting. I mean, making 11 for for 22, uh, they averaged 34% uh, on the season. So, if if you apply what they normally shoot uh, in this type of situation, that gives them seven. Let's give them eight. So there's nine points right there that they normally would not make in a game. Uh, and even with our poor de- poor defense and everything like that, there's there's a win for you. Uh, but it's always not good to play that kind of game too much uh, with stats. But uh, uh, you mentioned it earlier. I just wanted to bring it up again as well. Uh, the eight for eighteen uh, on layups. Um, that's uh, pretty pathetic as well. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis, as, as you mentioned, not getting into him too much, missed a lot of those easy ones that he he normally is able to hit and everything, and and with his correct hand. Um, so yeah, those those are the main things, obviously, that, that stick out with me that we haven't already uh, talked about. So that brings me to a, just a quick additional storyline, um, and then we'll bounce to se- segment three. Um, Trace Jackson Davis, for me, has yet to prove that he can um, really score with his right hand, shoot the 15-footer, um, miss some key shots, I thought, here and at Wisconsin. And size gives Trace Jackson Davis trouble. Um, and you have to – man, it's, I don't – I probably shouldn't say this, but you can't just dunk the basketball. You're going to have to have a variety of diversity uh, of moves and, and things. And right now – um, he is very talented and he got 20 points tonight and it, without him, we're not in, in the game and every night the pressure is on him. It's just gotta be uh, tremendous. Um, but when you get looks at the rim, uh, late, you gotta be the go-to guy and, and you gotta make shots. If your best player doesn't make shots. Um, and then if you're, if you get out rebounded 12 to five by the opposing, uh, center, um, you know, and, and those stats can be, you know, interpreted differently too. If one team misses a lot of shots, there's going to be a lot more rounding opportunities, but um, there's a lot of expectations, uh, you know, for, for him to, to be on point every game, every minute. And that's just, that's got to be a tough thing for him. Uh, but he's, he's got to be better against size and find different angles, different ways to get to the basket um, because the, just the running left-handed stuff, sh- you know, shooting over someone has, has not been efficient. Your, your, your post player needs to shoot 55 to 60% and he was eight for 18. Um, Chad, I- any additional thoughts on, on TJD? Well, like you said, we, we got an example of it. He had a right-handed layup. Uh, during a crucial time, I forgot exactly when it was. I didn't take notes because I, I believe I was standing at this point away from my notes, uh, <laughs> frustrated at the TV um, that he missed. Um, and then he had that little elbow shot uh, that he took and missed. So like you said, uh, he hasn't shown that quite yet. He's very good at 
those things that he can do. And it is going to get a lot of wins for IU this year. And it has gotten IU a lot of wins this year. Um, he just hasn't diversified. Like he said, he's came back to do like you said. And, um, I did notice as well in the first half, uh, they had a lot of shots of him on the bench and everything too. And he seemed to be in his head a lot in the, in the, in the first half, at least this game, uh, you saw frustration when you saw him on the bench, you saw towards the end of, I believe the first half, or maybe it was in the second, no, into the first half, uh, they show him in the huddle and he's yelling and everything like that, but that's great. That's, that's leadership. That's, uh, showing a player that's, uh, getting on his teammates and getting them going. But um, this team goes the way he does. And um, when those shots don't fall and you're eight for 18 and um, uh, the ball doesn't come into you and you can't uh, plow through a big guy, uh, those kinks in the armor are still there. And um, we've seen him at least in this game and he can make them disappear. He can pound out that armor and, and, and look a lot better. We've still got a lot of season to go. But um, yeah, we've 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 uh, got his number right now, and other teams are going to. So uh, it's time for him to step up through it. Andy, any thoughts on on TJD today? No, I, you know, it, like I said before, I think Hare is the kind of guy that gives him trouble. Not necessarily overly skilled, just overly physical. Um, and I thought again, Hare took advantage of him. You know, really hunting block shots and got a few putbacks as a result of that. And, um, you know, I think the, the comments are interesting. It certainly suggests a, a pretty strong relationship between Woodson and, and TJD. Um, so I suppose that's a, a good thing, but there's gotta be other guys who can step up and, and be threats. And ultimately that falls on the offense, uh, to a certain extent, you know, you, nobody else scores more than nine points today. Um, and, and yeah, he missed some shots that he's got to be able to convert. And I agree with you that some of the progression that I think everybody expected, hoped for, whatever you want to say, hasn't necessarily been there. Um, and, and this will sound like excuse making, but I'm also not sure it serves him well to play 19 of 20 minutes in the second half of a, of a game. And, and some would say, Hey, he's 20 years old. He can handle it. Maybe that's true. Um, but I also don't think he's, you know, so much is being expected of him and whether you blame that on Woodson in terms of like what offense he's running around him. Um, but he is carrying a heavy, heavy load at this point and you're an all American. You should be able to, to do that, but he needs more consistent help than what he's been getting, uh, which doesn't absolve him from missing what, what should be easy shots around the rim. Doesn't absolve him from getting five rebounds. Doesn't absolve him from, um, you know, chasing these blocks and not being able to get back on the offensive glass. But, um, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing to a certain extent when you look at some of these other factors that are potentially playing into it. One, one, uh, one other thing I'd like to, to bring up. I thought Xavier Johnson was okay today. I know some people are not happy with him. He, he takes some questionable shots, but he, he hits some shots on, on shots he can hit where it's a kick out three and his feet are set and he hits some shots. I thought early in the game, he was really looking to try to distribute. Um, there were times when the offense just bogged down 
that that's when I think he took the shots that were somewhat questionable. Uh, to me, that's offensive design. I'm going to take that off of X, uh, and I'm going to throw that on the coaching staff, that you have the ball in your hands, and offense is not moving. No one's setting screens. They've taken away your post entry, and now it's, hey, dude, go do something, and it looks bad, and he jumps in the air, and he's wrong to jump in the air and pass, but we all then point the finger at Xavier. Um, and, you know, I've been harsh on Xavier this year, but I thought he started out the game uh, rather well. I thought he got a couple uh, of really silly fouls, and the officials were a little too tough on him there. Um, but, I, you know, the, the thing that has to – this isn't about the point guards, though. The point guards can't take more shots than your shooters. And, and I'd like to go back over the stats and see how many. Right now, the point guards took 17 shots, and your two shooters took nine. Bates, if you add in, took 12. So your three best wings, uh, Leo had one. So 14. Four players took 14, your point guards. And the ball's going to be in their hands. I, I get that, and I understand that. But I think your best teams, uh, there's at least a little more equality um, with your your point guard and your wings in, in shooting the ball. But I thought X was okay today. I, I didn't think – he he was bad. Uh, I didn't. He had four assists to only one turnover, uh, two steals. So I, I thought we got some good things out of out of our point guards, uh, Rob in the second half, and and, and Xavier uh, overall. So I, I thought that was a good thing. Andy, any thoughts on on X today? Yeah, to a certain extent, the amount that Rob played with X in the second half probably leads to those numbers getting a little inflated. But I think your overall point is. Still valid. Um, yeah, I didn't think he played bad. I think everybody's got their mind made up about him, and you can find enough plays in the game to say, hey, this was a bad shot or this was a bad turnover that you can you can kind of prove whatever your your point going in is. And you, and if you think that he's playing relatively well, you look and say, well, he was second on the team in points. He had four assists to the one turnover, to your point. I, I thought the biggest thing was getting him taken out of the game in the first half with the – you know, the first foul I thought was kind of garbage um, in the post because it was a play on the other end right before that that I thought he got hip check going to the basket and they didn't call anything. And then they call a touch foul on him guarding somebody in the post. The second foul was just silly. Um, and then you take yourself out of the game. And, and you know, I told, you know, you and I texted at halftime, but he better not get his third or they're going to be in some trouble in the second half because he was really a guy that was I thought was doing relatively well. So he didn't end up getting in foul trouble, but – you know, I just thought took some bad shots trying to make a play, but not really recognizing what the right play would have been in that moment. But um, I'm also not sure you could look at, you know, you could look at the Rob Finnessy that played in for sec- segments of the second half and say, yeah, play this guy more. But if you look at the Rob who played in the first half, I'm not sure you're making the same argument. So there's a little bit of recency bias in some of that where he played good down the stretch, made some shots. I'm not sure what you're getting from him if you play him more um, as – people seem to want the uh, staff to do. All right. uh, Coming up on uh, the assembly call, we are going to um, hand out our game balls and uh, who's your hustle award. Then we introduce um, our segment um, on Indiana's next opponent. That's all here on the assembly call. Stick with us. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Nick Zeisloft. I never miss an open. Three and I never miss an episode of the Assembly Call. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU post game show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. Also, make sure you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 9,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. Join for free today at join.assemblycall.com. That's join.assemblycall.com. Call.com. I'm the coach Brian Tonsoni here with Andy Bottoms and Chad Schwartzkoff. Uh, we're breaking down Indiana's loss to Penn State, and it's now time for our game balls. Uh, Chad, uh, you're up first. Who do you give a game ball to uh, for today's effort? This is a hard game ball, gentlemen. Um, but it's going to be weird. It's going to sound weird because the guy only had nine minutes, but mm, just because I really like what he did in those nine minutes, he was in there. Uh, my game ball goes to Jordan Geronimo. Uh, went in there and hit that really great uh, jumper. Uh, came in then as well and uh, had three rebounds uh, on the defensive end uh, and and another great little jumper. Uh, I don't mind that he took that three-pointer that he missed because, again, I feel like that is in his wheelhouse and we're going to see that go down a lot more for him in the future. So uh, it's weird. Might be the lowest minutes game ball given out on a simple call, but I'm giving it to Jordan Geronimo. Andy, who gets your game ball? I mean, I'm going to give it to Trace. I, you know, we we can nitpick things that he didn't do well, and there's certainly areas where he struggled. But I'd be hard pressed to not pick the guy who scored more than twice as many points as anybody else. And um, really, I thought his energy in the second half got IU back. Felt like that was going to be the difference in the game until that uh, stretch where you know, Penn State ripped off all those points in a handful of possessions. So I'll go with Trace. Uh, I'm also going to go with Trace, uh, you know, despite, you know, some of the stuff about making shots at the end and and that he, he, your point is very valid about um, he's carrying this team every single night and and he he's being asked to play major, major, major minutes. Um, And and so despite some of the, the, the struggles he might've had at at certain points, he, he still showed up and was a key at sparking Indiana's comeback twice in the second half. So, uh, TJD um, gets our um, game ball. 
And now it's time for the Hoosier Hustle Award, sponsored by our friends at Evansville Security Services, based in the hometown of IU legend Calbert Chaney, and hopefully future legend Christian Lander. Evansville Security Services provides off-duty police officers to businesses and individuals throughout Indiana. Remember, prevention cannot be measured, so let Evansville Security Services help you prevent a bad outcome today. Go to EvansvilleSecurityServices.com to learn more. That's EvansvilleSecurityServices.com. Com. Okay, um, we're just going to go right into it because I can't find the, the music clip. Um, Andy, who gets your Hoosier Hustle Award for today's ball game? Uh, to me, it was either Geronimo or Race Thompson. I, I guess I'll go with uh, I'll go with Race. I mean, he did have ten rebounds. Uh, I thought outside of the three pointers that he took, played really well. Um, so I'll go with him, but to me, it would be either he or Geronimo. I feel like the guys that stood out. Chad. I'm going to go with uh, Xavier Johnson on it. Um, again, he he had only one turnover, four assists on this game, and actually ended the game with the highest plus minus. The only one uh, other than Stewart, not in the negative with, or the second highest, I should say. Stewart had two. Uh, Xavier had one. Uh, in the plus minus, but uh, just with at least the offensive woes as tough as they were, just kept at it and and, and kept going and fighting in this game. Um, so I give it to him. Okay, I'm going to throw another curveball. We'll open it up to the to the chat mob to to select. Uh, I'm I'm going to go to Rob Finnessy for his ability to um, have the guts to take some of those shots at the end and to 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 fight defensively. Uh, through some tough ball screen coverages for a point guard. I thought he he did some nice things uh, in the second half. He he got better within the game. So for me, uh, in a tough day to give any awards, uh, I saw someone in the chat mob say, you know, it, it, we should only do this when we win. I'm starting to believe that uh, as well because it's not much fun. Coach, but. maybe maybe the women's team gets it? Yeah, exactly, which there is a post-game show. Uh, Kathy and Coach Marlowe will be doing uh, the women's post-game afterwards, so make sure uh, you tune, tune in for that um, show right after we are, are done. So, um, it's open to the chat mob who gets the hustle award, um, vote now. And, and, um, we'll count those up, um, here and go forward. So, um, now it's time for one lingering question and I'm going to paraphrase it. I, I didn't have time to write it down. I saw it pop up in the chat and I thought it was a really, really good, um, lingering question is how do you teach a team to win this team obviously has some pieces it is defensive minded it is seemed together um and yet in tough game on the road it does not have that toughness to win uh and, and i think that is a great lingering question because winning is a skill uh and losing can be a habit as well uh, you get into games where things get tough and you you hang your head it is a, a, a tough question, and if anyone here on the panel or in the chat knows the answer to how to get a group of young men to win consistently, they should write a book and go on a speaking series and make a lot more money than sitting in here talking to me on a, on a Sunday afternoon. But I think that is a great lingering question, and it might not be one that we can answer. Um, Chad, any thoughts on how you get this group to, to get over the hump um, in these road games or in tough home games and, and put together um, some wins. Gosh, I feel like I have better odds of winning that uh, half a billion uh, Powerball than figuring out this uh, on this IU squad. Um, it's just about uh, 
I mean, the fight, they're so close. That, that's, that's the aggravating part with this team is that at least compared to where we've been in past years, uh, we haven't shown our bellies. We haven't rolled over and showed our bellies. The fight is still there. Um, I feel like we're so close to the verge of getting over the, the, the tip um, more so than we have been. But um, I think it's just getting locked in, getting that offense to, to settle right uh, a little bit more and, and um, just that, that on-the-ball defense. I think those are the two things. Uh, once those click a little bit more and a little more consistently – um, I think that's enough to just get over the edge and that that last basket rolls in or uh, the help isn't too aggressive and um, uh, you get that defensive stop that you need. Andy, your your thoughts on how, how do you get that extra fight in this team to, um, to get over the hump in some of these things? I, I think it's, I guess I'll give two answers. You know, the first is uh, it, it feels like once you, are able to get one of them, then maybe you get things to start rolling downhill a little bit. I mean, that was really no different than that sequence where Penn State started making shots. Yeah, they were open shots, but you start making a few. Then, you know, the ones toward the end were a little bit tougher, and you you just start to play with some confidence. I think, um, uh, you know, I, I, but you don't get that confidence unless you actually win some of those games. Is the challenging part. I, I think going back to some of the bench stuff is um, maybe where I would go. Um, it, how, how do you figure out how? to utilize guys differently to maintain a good level of energy throughout the course of the game where you don't have inevitable lulls that you're going to have when you have guys playing the entirety of the second half and, and most of the guys on the floor playing the entirety of the second half. Um, so to me, it goes back to that a little bit is really being able to recognize when there's these dips in play within the game and understand how to, you know, get other guys in, whether that's, you know, punishing guys for not hustling enough or, just seeing that people are tired and being able to get some of these guys in and then being able to, as we talked about earlier, how do you build some confidence in these guys who are playing on that second unit? Because right now I can't imagine there's any of them that have a whole lot because that unit hasn't done all that well in meaningful games when they've played together. I think we could go back and look pretty consistently at the non cupcake games. And I don't know that there's too many times that that group has, has really flourished so how can you build confidence in those guys to be able to, to pair them up with some of the starters and different players to try to, if they need to be in in that situation, because God forbid you needed to turn to one of those dudes today when they're all cold off the bench, haven't played, haven't felt that any, you know, any involvement in the game for however long you put one of those guys out there. I'm not sure what you're going to get. So I think it starts with that and really trying to figure out how to get some of the rotations in the, in the lineup groupings a bit better. I'm going to answer it in two ways. One, you recruit winners. And, and by no means am I calling the guys on this team not winners, but you go and you recruit the skill of people that will do everything and have that confidence that you could bring out and and bring it out extra. What you do with guys right now, this program has lost for a, a long time, and, and some of these guys have been here for those losses. It's a new coach. They're wondering what their role is in the system. A coach has to try to draw out whatever confidence that is inside or whatever a fight is inside and draw it out. Um, I don't think that's something you can insert into someone, uh, but just like Coach Marlowe has said over and over again, you can pull out uh, the confidence. You can pull out what's inside. 
side, a, a player is always going to doubt himself. You can't just hand him a, a jar of confidence, but you could be in a position to bring that out. And I think that's what the staff, uh, every staff fights with that, um, trying to maximize each team's level of, of confidence and ability to fight. Uh, right now, it just seems that um, to me, more than that, I think that's an excellent, excellent question. Um, but I, to me, I, I think right now scheme has to be reevaluated, uh, especially on the offensive side, to put players in position to succeed more than what they're doing right now. Um, and that is just from the top of the organization all the way down to the organization. And, and then I think you'll see uh, some winning. And once you win one and win a second, then all of a sudden that that fight starts to be uh, a habit and you want to try to build uh, w- winning habits. But it, it's it's a tough process in the coaching business. And it's one um, that I think uh, obviously you got 17 games left to go needs to be uh, a priority to try to maximize the fight uh, in this team. And like I said, they did fight. They had a couple comebacks. They didn't hang their head and get beat by 17 like previous uh, uh, groups ha- have done. So within the struggle today that there, there's a small silver lining in, in some of the, some of the stuff uh, that, that we see. So, uh, remember, uh, no AC radio on Thursday because IU is hosting Ohio State uh, at home at, at Assembly Hall. We will be on afterwards uh, for the postgame show. And then Sunday, uh, Indiana also plays Minnesota. Um, I will be at Assembly Hall on, on Sunday uh, with Joel. So, uh, you know, come talk to me. Uh-huh. Uh, don't talk to Joel. Yeah, uh, that, that's, the, that's the MO on, on that one. But if you are in Assembly Hall on Sunday and would like to talk, I think uh, – I got some pretty good seats uh, for this one. So you're listening um, to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember to check out our friends at Homefield Apparel. Use the promo code HOME at checkout to get 15% off your first order. And okay, guys, um, it's time for uh, last call. Uh, Chad, um, your thoughts today? Just, it's a frustrating one. Um, starting to get into my who's your morning after mode and, and settled and look at the positives and all these emotions. Um, I'm just happy that there was fight at least in this game. Um, again, as we've kind of drilled home a couple of times in past seasons, this team would not have fought like they did at the end of this game. So it was good to see that and everything. Um, I do have a quick voicemail from uh, Jared left a few comments about it. Um, the game. He, I am cranky. Oh, he's, he's not happy. For the most part, I'm going to go to bed tonight. Just pissed. Oh yeah. So we, I, I'm not going to play any more of that. Um, Jared's just, uh, pretty cranky about this game too. So um, yeah, it, it's again, uh, let's learn from it guys uh, and move on to the next one. And uh, hopefully we can continue to fight like we can and um, we can just put these bad things behind us, but uh, starting to look like uh, this, there may be some habits starting to happen. Andy, your, your thoughts. Yeah. Just real quick. Look ahead to Ohio state. Uh, they played a night for the first time in, about three weeks, uh, but they play at Nebraska, um, and then obviously the next game at IU. Be a really good test for IU's defense. They're currently ranked ninth in offensive efficiency, around fiftieth on the defensive end. Um, so for all that we've talked about IU's off- issues being on the offensive side, uh, that should be a really good test for for IU on the uh, on the defensive end. And I think their front line, outside of Zed Key, is not have a bunch of huge physical guys, but um, a little bit more athletic with EJ Liddell, Kyle Young. So. Uh, be interested to see how Fai fares a little bit better in that scenario um, at home. I think it really becomes um, 
definitely not going to say a must-win game at this point. That would be ridiculous. Um, but it becomes a pretty important game. I mean, I think we all felt pretty good about the early schedule for IU and the Big Ten to maybe be able uh, to uh, you know get off to a good start. I think the ship has kind of sailed on that. Now it's protect home court and then see if you can get things figured out. Um, you know, to me, the biggest things I look at are that are really starting to be uh, issues at this point. I mean, you're almost you're 13 games out of a 32 game season, so you're not quite halfway there, but you're you've crossed the the third of the way point, And IU ranks 73rd in offensive efficiency. I mean, and that matches up with what we've seen, uh, particularly against better competition. I think that's the uh, alarming part, and I think the substitution pattern plays into that a little bit. Um, maybe that's me connecting dots that aren't really there to be connected, but I do think um, there is some, uh, there is some uh, connection there. And so uh, I, you know, I, we need to see Woodson make some adjustments to how he's, he's coaching this team. I think at this point um, doesn't mean he is not the right guy for the job. Doesn't mean any of those things, but one of the most important things that we've talked about, no matter who the coach has been, has been what their ability has, has been to make adjustments both in game and from game to game. And I think that's been disappointing so far. Uh, I thought it was, you know, the way the bench was used today just didn't set anybody up for confidence, success, whatever you want to say. Um, and so I think we need to see that start to change at, at some point. Or um, I think you're looking at a middle of the road Big Ten team, um, which I think expectations for, for most people were higher. And maybe that's proves to be incorrect, but um, just doesn't feel like today was a day easy to say this in the in the heat of the moment. But didn't feel like they got the most out of what ability is on the roster uh, today, and I think some of that goes back to the offensive system and the um, substitution patterns, at least in my view. Uh, would encourage everybody, as Coach mentioned, um, listen to Jeff and Kathy uh, on the uh, Doing the Work podcast to talk about the women's game. I was kind of watching that. Uh, I was watching it up to when the IU game started, then was trying to keep an eye on it on the side screen. And they, um, you want to talk about fight and resilience, they gave up a lead late in the game, came back in overtime, uh, and really played well. So, uh, kudos to Terry Moore and the women's program. They've uh, gotten off to a great start. So uh, look forward to listening to uh, Kathy and Jeff do the show. So uh, everybody tune in for that. Probably a good uh, palate cleanser, I would guess, after uh, after listening to us talk about this game. There's all, and there's somebody in the chat who said they're re-watching. Who they said they're <laughs> watching back the game. I really want to give him credit because uh, he's really doing the Lord's work at that point and uh, going through that. If I find it here, I will, uh, I will let you know. But he mentioned multiple times that he was going back to watch it. I just... Uh, I think it was Patrick uh, in the chat. So kudos to you, Patrick. This is not one I intend to go back and watch uh, anytime in the in the near future, let alone right in the aftermath of the game. <laughs> this was very disappointing, and, and it is to a point where habits and patterns are, are starting to be solidified. Uh, the offense has to be better uh, from the coaching staff down to the players and their choices and shot selection, or this is going to be a, a bottom half Big Ten team. That, that's simply um, – simply what we see. Um, thank, thankful for the defense. Um, but I, I do want to end with this. It is a new year. Um, I put on my board in my classes, blessings over grievances all day, every day. I encourage you to find the blessings in your life. There, there are so many for all of us. One of which for me is this group of people, uh, that I work with and share, uh, the mics with, but also the chat mob. I thought you were very, um, gracious in your frustration today, as opposed to some previous games. I thought your comments, um, were fair, uh, but it is a blessing to be a part of Hoosier nation, even on days, uh, when the, uh, 
the scoreboard doesn't turn out our way. Uh, good friends, good people, uh, but make sure you you take care of your blessings uh, and and realize that there's probably far more of those than there are grievances in this world. And we all need to take care of each other and stay healthy and, and really, really, really fight hard to make every day the best day we can. And with that, um, that'll do it uh, for today's show. Uh, if you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash assemblycall.com. And don't forget to go join assemblycall.com to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for the music you hear on the show. Special thanks to John Ringer of Rings Design for designing our logo. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again this Thursday night. Um, and until then, take it from me, Jordan Halls. Keep your elbow in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Hey, the show's over. Here I come, Coach Tonsoni. Hey. <laughs> There's your silver lining, Coach. <laughs> I got it written down. <laughs> on paper. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna right. I'm gonna bow out. I'm glad I survived the uh, the show, but uh, appreciate everybody joining us. Looking yep. forward to listening. Good to the, show, uh, the women's Coach, show. Uh, a few other options, bigger and better things on Thursday. To try right. maybe. Take care, Andy. All right, with your uh, mic situation, maybe yep. try see if you can if you have another cord. Change out your mic cord. Have you tried that yet? No, I have not. Try, How was it that today? Now. It seemed all right. Um, I was trying to see pattern, see patterns in it if I if I could, especially on the end there, seeing if it happens just when you're talking or. Uh, I thought maybe the music, back. the music with I, the streamyard zips or I, compresses the music, and then it maybe. the audio. Because uh, how how do you how do you guys play? How do you guys play the audio clips? What we, do you we what do you them, use? What's well, called? Uh, it's an app on using, the MacBook. Yeah, because you're using MacBook stuff. Sorry. Yeah, because I use a different thing. I use a different thing for all my stuff. Yeah, it's called uh, Farajo. Mm -hmm. um, he had me not use the recording, the uh, audio hijack, which is an also a Mac app um, to record. Because mm -hmm. when we shut it off the other day, it seemed um, uh, we need to get going for the women's game, women's show. Kathy and ah, okay. Jen want to get going. So, yeah, right, any idea, you, send, them, send them to my way. Thanks we'll again, do. everyone. Peace. Uh, listen, tune in to Jeff and Kathy for a, a happy post game show. Uh, so long, everyone.